Hello. This is Amanda, the emotional strength trainer, having another crack at it because the Facebook got a little bit glitchy and it wouldn't let me or it wouldn't progress on my page. So let's see how we go with this one. So I'm Amanda, your emotional strength trainer, and today I want to talk to you about death and dying. It is the 31st of October here in Australia, and that is Halloween for those in in the US and uh, Day of the Dead for those who celebrate the absolute tradition that uh, comes with the Mexican um, celebration. And I was just reading a comment that Day of the Dead is actually the 2nd of November for uh, the Mexicans. So I thought let's have a conversation about death. And it looks like it's not going to do it uh, again. It's just going to say that the video will be live in a moment so I think that there must be some sort of message saying don't do it today we'll see how we go we'll see how we go right share to a page oh hello you're there hello Jen <laughs> I hope um can you see me we've got a bit of a um glitchy thing where it's it's not progressing on on the pages anyway let's just carry on and we'll see how we go with it all right so oh good very good talking about death and dying can be something that is very morbid for some and that can bring on a lot of fear actually in in some people I personally have what I think is quite a healthy relationship to death. Like I remember saying years ago, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens, but I'm not ready to go yet. I'm not ready to to go um, for a really long time, actually. And with what I see in emotional strength training and how many people I've helped over the years who have lost loved ones and the pain that comes with um you know, losing people and things like that. A conversation about death is um, can be a hard one to have with some people. I have one memory myself. Um, I was quite close with my grandmother and she'd been diagnosed uh, with a condition. The doctor gave her a couple of years and I got transferred away from work and we just had never spoken about her dying. And uh, she was in her mid-70s at the time. And I remember going away and absolutely terrified that she would die before I came back or while I was away and remember trying not to cry because we were brought up, we weren't allowed to get upset as children and she was quite a stoic uh, person and not a lot of emotion other than being cranky. <laughs> so the conversation that I had with her ended up me bursting into tears and saying, I don't want you to die. And, and she was so loving and kind. And she just tapped, you know, patted my hand and said, Oh love, we've had a very lovely, we've had a good life together. And it just pretty much d diffused the whole massive quantity of pain, but I'd acknowledged it with her. And then we were able to go forward and also, um, I'd set the intention that I didn't want her to die without being able to say goodbye. So, um, you know, she did uh, pass, but, there, you know, there was a fair bit of suffering involved for her as well, which I felt very sad for her about that. Um, and she had her mind 
right up until the end of her passing where my grandfather, he got dementia and uh, he lost his mind. And that's essentially what I want to talk about. I'm, at, at, you know, once I, when I saw my grandfather and how he died, um, I, you know, I used to sit there and say, I don't know which is worse, you know, dying that way or dying and knowing what, what's going on right up to the last minute or the last breath, actually. And then when I started my um, healing practice, one of the things that has shown up a great deal for me, uh, which helped me understand why my grandfather got uh, dementia, is the the fear of dying and fear of death. And uh, it was the notion was put to me through a, a session a long time ago that what happens with people with dementia is that they're that profoundly frightened of dying that their mind starts to break down. Now, mind you, this is part of the process. This is not a definitive. It's just something to add on to the um, understanding of and also with that conversation about death and dying to acknowledge things. You won't uh, go through a suffering point and the people around you and those sorts of things. So the notion that came up with um, dementia and Alzheimer's was that the fear of dying was so profound that the brain starts to um, stop being the way it is for that person to be present in that fear of dying to get them to a place of forgetting who they are so that they're forgetting the fear and that they can pass um, without the fear of um, of being you know, sent to purgatory, those sorts of things. And a couple of things that have shown up from the patterns um, that I've seen with this is people who are terrified of dying have um, quite firm religious beliefs. And that made a lot of sense for me as well, because it's the um, belief that you'll be judged when you get to the pearly gates and if they've done something wrong in their lifetime. Now, with my granddad, he was he was a, a World War Two veteran and I remember <clears throat> the things that he um, talked to me about with World War Two and those sorts of things. And it was very difficult for him and he didn't want to talk about it. He also told me that uh, he remembers the day he stopped being religious and the, the thing, the situation that happened that he saw in World War Two that he questioned whether there was a God. Yet when I was born in the 70s, I was the eldest child of my generation and he gave mum a book of Bible stories and said that she must uh, read them to us to give us an understanding of God. So I would hazard a guess that there was this element of I've done things wrong by going to war and um, and also, you know, he didn't have a very successful relationship with um, my grandmother and had another relationship, those sorts of things, was estranged from one of his children, all of those sorts of things that build up this belief that when you get over to the gates, they're going to say, nah, you've got a, you've been naughty, you can go to hell. And that, from my mind, made a whole heap of sense. The other thing that was quite um, prevalent in my uh, grandfather's um, dementia was the diet that he was on. His wife at the time wasn't um, feeding him a, a fully nutritious diet. So when he went into a facility and they put him on a, 
a diet that was especially aligned for people with dementia. He improved out of sight to a point that we thought that he might even be able to come home because um, his it was like it had been re- reversed. Uh, so it's a very important if you do have people that have the uh, showing signs and things like that, get some nutrition advice on the things that they can eat to also help them from that part of view, point of view. Now, to stem off what my recommendation is in today's um, What the Focus uh, report is to start having conversations with people about being frightened of death. Now, across the board with, um, with any health issue, one of the things that can be remedied is to acknowledge your fears. It's across everything. When I do any work, all of the people in uh, my e-school and the programs that I do, one of the first steps that we have to do is to acknowledge our fears. And when it comes to death, it's such a, a massive conversation to have. And then when you want to have the conversation, some people might sit there, oh, that's morbid, I don't want to do it. Or some people might joke about it all the time. Um, I know my husband (laughs) jokes all the time his mum's got a little bit of gold in her tooth and he's always saying mum when you when you're gone I want that gold in your tooth and um, our youngest gets um, angry (laughs) and says stop saying that dad that sort of thing but it's just to diffuse the the topic because they have had a traumatic death in their family before and uh, it's they haven't coped very well with it and it's been 22 years so my recommendation, if you have a fear of death, that you're um, beyond frightened of what might happen, just start writing it down. Just write down what you're so frightened of and why and what you think is going to happen and acknowledge it. Read it out loud. Find somebody that you can trust and talk to them about it. And then when you acknowledge it and you're freeing up, hello Dave, you're freeing up the energy within you to focus on something else. It's one of those things as well, you know, I've been talking this last week that when uh, you're projecting too far into the future or you're you're jumping too far back into the, into the past, you're robbing yourself of now. As Dave has just said, death is inevitable. It's, we, we just have to understand that that's a, a part of life and it does it's not something to be frightened of one of the things that I have done in my life is I've set my death order I've sat there um, and decided you know what I want to I want to live till I'm 98 I'm going to go to sleep one night and I'm going to um, just my heart's going to stop it will be peaceful everything will be good everything will be done Hello. Okay, so it looks like it's kicked in. It only took 10 minutes for it to start. Anyway, so that's that's pretty much what um, what I am setting and I, I speak about it all the time. When I'm 90, I chose 98 because they're my favourite numbers and it's I want to grow old with um, and have grandchildren and I visualise all of those sorts of things. And it's just, it's, for me, it's like a done deal. There are a lot of traumatic deaths happening around us, especially uh, like last year was a year of completion, a lot of traumatic deaths. 
this year has been the same. I've I've had a lot of people in my um in my Facebook feed and things like that talking about losses and then you look at all of the natural disasters and things that have happened uh, this year's this year as well, and it's a part and parcel of of our life. But I I believe and I'm hoping anyone that sees this video can sit there and and just start having the conversation to be able to um. <laughs> Dave said, I'm going to live until I'm 100 and then be shot in bed by her jealous husband. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, Jen has said, I also think I'm not ready to go, but so not afraid. My mum passed when I was 12 and dad when I was 17. And well, mum and dad's whole family. So I'm used to it and okay with it. But my sister is not good with this subject. And that's that's part of that journey. Jen and it's I guess the if you were to attack um the conversation from from the attack is not the good word best word but if you were to have the conversation around saying to her why are you frightened of talking about it setting your order people uh have this energy and that's a big thing in my practice is penance and suffering if you make poor choices in your life and there's judgment around that or you feel like you need to pay the price for that these are the things that um that show up and it's the and diseases uh, chronic illnesses those sorts of things and especially cancer uh you know a cancer conversation is a really really long conversation to have it's not something to um happen quickly but one of the things that uh, does come up quite a bit in the people that I work with with cancer is that they're paying the price for something or a decision that they made uh, and for example like uh, breast cancer one of the first questions I ask is um, if they've lost a child the breast breasts are the nurture point and the um, losing a child child through uh, termination or miscarriage or uh, stillborn uh, after they've after they've been born that sort of thing there's there's this global consciousness or or just consciousness I guess that in some way that the woman has failed because the child didn't get here alive and therefore there's penance energy and that's usually why and then you ask what breast is which and those sorts of things hello Julie so it's the same with dementia and schiz oh, not schizophrenia um Alzheimer's that you're looking at your brain not working so that you don't have to worry about what's going to happen next and part of that is that penance of or being punished and I, I guess in my spiritual journey and and I you know when I was 16 I sat there we were brought up in a um, an Anglican family and I remember sitting there one day thinking how how can I be sure that Christianity is the right religion so I went about learning about all religions and uh, realized that there's so many similarities across the structures and having a god even with the um, you know Hindu and Buddhist there's always one god that's more important than the others those sorts of things and I got a really good understanding of religion and one of the things that I, I say quite openly is that I have a, a personal relationship with God and it's outside of a religious structure because I just don't think that, you know, God's an asshole. I just don't think that that's, that's 
what it looks like, but it's part and parcel with people in their human experience that God will get you uh, if you do bad things. But who defines the bad things? And that's the part of the soul's journey. And that's the part of the the process that, you know, these kind-hearted souls or these people that have been indoctrinated or um, convinced that, you know, even if you, if you look at it, that where Australia is a, a country that has been built from convicts, people stole a loaf of bread and they were sent out here on a ship for many months and to have a crack at life out here. Um, you know, who's to say there's not genetic memory that you've, you've stole a loaf of bread, you're a bad person, go on a ship for six months, you know, suffer through the horrid notion of doing that. It was lucky you survived if you got out here. Then it's this hellishly hot country. And then the relationship with their first Australians was was disgusting. And then you've got that genetic memory that sits there and says the punishment. So, you know, there's there's so many aspects of a soul's journey that can be remedied, rectified with a simple conversation. Being able to acknowledge safely, I'm terrified of dying because dot, 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 and letting it come out of your head. You don't want it to sit in your brain and fester. So Jen has said here, yes, she's an alcoholic and says mum and dad keep calling her when she's been drunk. You're correct. She has been has made very poor choices my whole marriage, 42 years, so maybe she is afraid. And that's part of, you know, you could perhaps have that conversation with her, like just from a place of compassion. You know, I can imagine that you would be frightened of dying, you know, with being judged and all of those sort of things and some of the decisions. But at the same time, let's talk about that. And do you really think you're going to be punished for those? That, you know, just start the conversation. Dave has said, I monitored and nursed my father through the onset of dementia up until the point where he needed professional care. He had reached the tipping point by then and accepted everything, so it was easy for him to go into care, but it destroyed me to some extent. Dementia is a very, very hard thing to watch, Dave. Um, my granddad was one of the calmest, most quiet men um, I'd ever had in my life, and he used to have these really angry outbursts and things like that, and I, I'm grateful I never got to see one, but my mum and my aunt would tell me about them, and I just got frightened in the end. I thought I... I don't want that kind of memory of my granddad. But then he fell over and, and broke his hip and that was pretty much the end. And just the 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 way he he died, it was incredibly sad. Um, Jen said, my, hus- my hubby will be 70 in a few months and his family all had it and he is showing signs of it now. That's a big, um, actually a really good point, Jen, and I'll speak to that now. Um, yes, come in from the beginning, Hillary. There's some good conversations. Um, when you, this is, okay, well, this is a bit of a bugbear for me um, as far as health goes. And as you know, if you've been following me for a while, I'm medically friendly. I uh, will never, ever say to somebody not to go to the doctor or uh, to not do what a doctor says as part of the process to, you know, maintaining or regaining your health. Uh, Medicine has done too much for, you know, lifespans and those sorts of things. However, one thing, and this may not um, directly be linked to medicine, but um, it's it's the fact that 
people say because you're genetically uh, connected to people that you will get it too. And um, I have uh, been working with a, a chap this year who has had that, his family, um, when they got to their 50s, and it's like, well, you know, you're my dad. It's this this conversation that people have around, oh, you look like your mum or you look like your dad or this is going to, you know, that happened to them. You'll have to be careful it doesn't happen to you. Yes, genetics does form a part of what you want, but this is where free will kicks in. And from my mind, I'm living proof of this, okay? So I'm talking about this from the space of you can do something about it. And it is why um, I'm medically friendly, but why this kind of work is very important as part of helping people to understand that you can do other things or bring other teachings in to help you have a new reality or a different reality. So I um, have very sick parents, if you like. My gen The genetic pool that I came from, both of my parents had so many different things wrong with them throughout my lifetime with them that um and and they both what when they got things it was always the worst case of and and all of that sort of stuff and lots of surgeries and lots of medicine and and all of those sorts of things and I look like my mother I'm I'm just you know almost a head taller than her though so gratefully I took after my my grandmother's family with height and the the amount of times that people said, oh, you'll have to be careful, You're, you know, they had this, they had that. I remember looking at them years ago, one of the things, um, this is like years and years ago, they wore their illnesses like a badge of honour. And this is before I was doing all of this. It was just when I was, you know, living my life and, and I'd started to live the trio of health, what I, which I already do uh, or have been for the last 30 years. But I, I got to see that when they had these significant illnesses or health issues, it was to get attention. And it seriously was. Like if you didn't pay enough attention to them while they were sick or dying, then um, they would get cranky at you. And it, it was like, you you know, you're not paying enough attention to me, that sort of thing. So I used to sit and say, you know, I'm not going to get sick like you. And then as it turned out, as I grew older and I got into my 30s and I found out the truth about their lives, I thought, oh. And then with all of this work that I do and what I've built my emotional strength training practice around, I'm like, no wonder you're, you've had all of those diseases and, and those things happen because you've, you've been living this other way. So one of the things that through my conviction of I'm never ever going to have an illness that and, and use it as a badge of honour to, um, you know, make out. It's just that's my personal process around when health and illness. It's just I've got no time for that sort of thing and I've got all of these other tools in my uh, in my arsenal that can help me if I start to feel ill about something or, you know, I can just act immediately and go and do it and then I always address the emotional issue. I also come from that place of um, the truth will set you free. So I've got, you know, no energy of hiding anything. I've forgiven myself for my poor choices when I was younger. You you sit there and have to acknowledge where you are in your life and what you're doing and those sorts of things. And sometimes forgiving yourself is a very hard thing to do. I can assure you it's a very hard thing to do. But when you do it and you get there and then you start to have an understanding of life and that we're here walking through things that 
you can uh, free yourself of the the bonds of I need to be punished for this or I'm going because you you're already being punished. I have a belief that for some people they live their hell on earth. The things that they have to go through and live every day because of the choices they've made and they can't get out of them or they can't they're not going to choose to to you know come clean and tell the truth those sorts of things you're you're going to live your hell on earth by manifesting all of these things in your life that are robbing you of your ability to step into joy or be present or or all of those things and manifest disease or dementia or or those sorts of things which will take you to your path to death because we're all on a path to death and it's one of the um the biggest things with 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 life is do you want to suffer on the way through that is the foundation of my work we're all going to die but it's up to us if we want to reduce the suffering even working with people who are on their end journey to reduce their suffering, to work with family members, to just give them the space to acknowledge that they might feel ripped off or angry that their family member has died or even acknowledge, I think I may have done this to my mum because I ran away from home when I was 13 and I had no idea that one day she would die. You know, all of these things you cannot diminish or disregard somebody else's process through their life and then when when they're presented with somebody's death you know you look at suicide then with people that they don't get the chance to say uh goodbye and those sorts of things it's really it's it's a an important conversation to have uh with people that you can trust and go into um you know surrendering energy for people that don't want to have the conversation but you can have it you can sit there and um have the conversation with yourself of what you want in your life and what you don't want, how you want to go out, and then also going into um, compassion for those people who are suffering through their human existence on their way to death because they must think or they must have a belief that there's no other option for them, that that's what they're meant to do. That's why I love spirituality. That's why I love emotional strength training. You know, it's a three-sided triangle with a fourth element in of, of having these kind of conversations. Um, being able to cut energy ties with somebody in your family or the family tree if there has been a um, succession of people who have gone through dementia or Alzheimer's. There is always an exception to the rule. If the science says that you have a 20% chance of developing Alzheimer's because you've had a family member develop it. From my mind, that's because of the genetic memory. And you can, through quantum physics and this energy therapies, cut the ties to that so it becomes your free will going, not not my lifetime, and then breaking the patterns going forward for your children. The the when you're dealing with people who think that this kind of spirituality or energy work is is unicorn based and it's all fluffy, it's absolutely not. There is some very grounded approaches that you can take that you can and you will feel it. The so just to give you an understanding, when I'm doing um, an energy strength, sorry, emotional strength training session, I tap into somebody's energy and I can see the emotional trauma in my mind's eye. 
And when I'm in there, I feel the gravity of the burden that they're carrying. And it's so you can hear it sometimes. My breathing goes funny and I'm like yawning like nothing else. And, you know, I'm able to describe it's 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 hard, but I love my job, J-O-B. I love it because I'm able to validate for the people that I work for the feelings that have been sitting in their body for the longest time. And what happens? They feel lighter. It's like all of this stuff and they haven't known what it feels like to have that type. And it's I call it the euphoria day. When people have a session or the euphoria moment, you sit there and it's like, oh, and you can finally breathe properly. That's what fear does. And when we're talking about death and dying, I, I'm sitting here saying you can live a different way. You don't have to have this in your life every day as this white noise of you're going to die a horrible death or you're going to be judged when you get to the pearly gates and God's going to say, no, nah, you've done this. You know, there's a book I read years ago, Neil Donald Walsh um, has uh, a series of books called uh, Conversations with God. And I'll never forget in one of his books, he starts to talk about Hitler going to heaven. And he says, stay with me on this one. Don't shut the book now because I will explain that. And the way he explained it, I'm like, oh, really? Of course. It was like a big aha moment for me. Okay. So these conversations around death can be very trying, but I would recommend, I can't remember because it's been so long ago that because there's a few of them. Um, There's a book, Happier Than God. I'm wondering if it might be in that versus the other one. Hello, Jeanette. Janet, sorry. Um, the the it's one of these things that you just have to start to have the conversation. If you're terrified of it, and you sit there and say, "I can't talk about it," start with why you can't talk about it. And as I say, find someone that is non-judgmental. You know, we've. If you've watched some of these things before, I talk about your A, B and C group of uh, people that you can communicate with. A people in your A group are the ones that you can tell absolutely anything and everything and they will never judge you. They'll sit there and they'll hold your hand and pat your back or get you a big glass of wine while your ugly's not crying everywhere and they will continue to love you forever. Find that person and sit there and start to have the conversation. If you have a history of it in your family, find my account on SoundCloud and there is a um, an audio there that says uh, cutting energy ties from a place of love. The only thing as part of that, actually I might find the link and I'll put it in the comments below um, because there's two, there's one and there's another one that's uh, you, you heal the energy um, line with purple light and it moves across until it goes still and then you cut the energy ties you can um, pull all of those energy hooks out or visualize it and if you're stuck come and book in and have a session or come and join e-school and we can handle it every week you get an energy session every Monday in my e-school I'm very passionate about this I'm very passionate about the notion of suffering and I'm very passionate about finding out the truth of if we start having these conversations about death, if people put in their death order, as in, like I said, right back at the beginning of um, the today's show, that 
I have set my death order. I'm going to be 98 years old. I'm going to go to sleep one night. I'm going, my heart's just going to stop. It's going to be very peaceful. No suffering. I don't like pain. So I will not be suffering as a process of my dying. Everybody will be, um, you know, not sad that I've gone because I've had a good life. My great grandmother on my dad's side, I think she did that. She was 97 when she died and she was in a home in a country town here called Stanthorpe. And we'd been to visit her. The whole family went to visit her on her 97th birthday. And I remember her, I was six or seven maybe, I remember her soft hands rubbing my hands. I sat on the bed and we'd all got um, little flowers for her and wrapped alfoil around the bottom of them and handed them to her. And she was just rubbing my hands, smiling. She didn't have a tooth in her head, that sort of thing. She was old. And um, it was like she got to see all of her family tree on this day and then the next day she just, she didn't wake up. And it was like her story had completed and it really it was beautiful because that's a normal part of life now obviously this conversation is not something that's a blanket yo she'll be right or you'll be right because you know people die young one of my biggest Achilles heels is children and it's one of the things that I've only actually done a couple of sessions for um, very ill children because I have a, a fear of, of sitting there and finding out the truth of what it is. I got one, I got an understanding of it. But again, that's something I'm not focusing on at this part of my uh, career or what I want to do in my life. It's more grown-ups. And perhaps later on down the track when everything else is flowing, I might sit and investigate because <laughs> children, I don't cope well with children. They don't deserve to suffer. They're innocent. Um and there is a lot of suffering uh, with children with, with, you know, childhood diseases and things like that. So I'll let the science people keep working on that one for a while. Um, but from a point of view of if you're a grown-up, if you have people in your family who have had dementia or Alzheimer's or died early, um, you know, if you have a history, if you're into family tree stuff and you see things have happened or patterns have happened over a lifetime, you are able to free yourself from those by simply saying, no, nope, I don't want that in my life, and then doing energy therapies to cut the energy ties, okay, and then start to see different things. I, Like I said, I am genetically connected to two people who have had nearly every disease known to man, and that's a, that's a blanket comment. It's not every disease known to man. Let's just say a lot of them, and I haven't had any, okay, so I'm not um, connected to their story around health and what that means for them and then the penance and suffering or the attention seeking or um or anything like that okay it's it's just a part of my journey and my relationship with death and I encourage you to to do that too now there are people who do specialize in this I have a friend um Sharon she has a holistic palliative care business up on the Sunshine Coast here and she specializes in it. it's like death doula type stuff find those people work with them if you want a, a grounded and and a especially if you've got somebody in your life who's dying and you don't know how to talk about it or cope with it these people will will uh, that's their job that's what they do their whole life I can do it in my work and it's an easy conversation for me to have and acknowledging your fears and cl me clearing out the the cellular memory or the cellular trauma in your body. Um, 
breaking the idea that because you're genetically connected to people, you're odds on for it. So that's that's where I can help as well. But just start talking about it. All right, so let's have a look at some of these uh, um, comments that have been made. All right, so Dave says, it was like watching him deleting in front of my eyes. He died in the care home from a fall at 3 a.m. in his room. He suffered an extra uh, dural hemorrhage and the night staff picked him up and put him back in bed where he died. The inquest closed the care home down. I blame myself but manage it. Yes, Dave, and that's this is a part of the journey, the personal journey that people go on um, as part of their death story, okay? It's it's sitting there and looking. You, you couldn't have known, okay? In reality, you couldn't have known. Um, and you're able to look at that and you say you manage it, but it's the same thing through like the th- process that I do with emotional strength training. If you were to um, sit there and write, your like journal or write a letter to yourself or or ream yourself over the coals get angry at yourself but for one last time then forgive yourself and also forgive your dad for um his soul's journey had that happen that's a really big conversation to have you can you can imagine him sitting beside you or across from you and then rouse at him he's in perfection now he's not going to take it personally this is the part you're you're having your human existence. You're allowed to, you know, break free of the bonds that that has created. Um, Jen said she went through that with her aunt. Um, she Jen's also said I'm so glad I tuned in today. My mum had a had cancer, passed from it. My sis had it and it's is okay. My niece had it and is okay. Can't have kids though. I'm sixty and fighting a small lymph node thing. And I feel it's got a lot to do with not being able to express things. Can't explain. Absolutely, Jen. Find someone that you can, okay? Just acknowledge it. It's the first step. Anne has said you agree with everything. Thank you, Anne. Um, Jen's future daughter-in-law, been in the family 11 years, was married, but last Feb her dad and cat died in house from carbon. My son was on life support for a week. Yeah, these are. This is all of this stuff where you, you, if you're surrounded by horribly traumatic things, and start to just set your order. Okay, just set your order. Uh, hubby and older sons have read Conversations with God. Yep, it's a good book. My one of my favorite, most divining books of Neil Donald Walsh was Happier Than God. I really like that. It's not a religious text at all, which is um, it's just a saying, and it's good. Death is always perfect, no mistakes, and that's hard for many to swallow, but it's true. Yes, it's a personal journey. It doesn't mean we can't or shouldn't mourn. We're human, we mourn. It's as natural as dying is. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's it's a part of life. And if you can have the conversation about it, uh you will, you know, it's taking real estate up. Jane says, I'm experiencing the passing of my sister last week. Some of my siblings are really pissing me off and when I speak up, I'm the bad argument. I'm I've I've won. The timing of me listening to this is very healing. That's great, Jane. You know, you you have to make allowances for other people's um, methods of handling it, but just take your own counsel. Just find people that you can talk to that are not going to judge you, that'll let you go through your own process. Grief is a really funny thing. And one of the things that people don't realise is the anger. You know, I've been working with um, a lady whose son drowned 
when he was a toddler and it was the first time it's been years now and I just said to her recently you know have you ever gotten angry at your son for leaving you because it's it's one of those you just don't think it's like well he's he's not here he's not having a life I can't do that but you're the one remaining having the human experience and it's it's an interesting process of what we think we have to suffer through uh, as a process. Hillary was in um, aged care for a long time. One of your people was a Jewish lady who lived through the war in a basement with her two kids. She was never discovered in her later years. She got dementia and had to live through all that pain, um, hiding, stealing food. Also, uh, survivor guilt, Hillary, that one just came into my head then. So that would have been part of it as well. Like, why did everybody else die and not me? I'm so afraid of getting Alzheimer's dad and two of his brothers had it in later life. Glad to know there is a way around it. Absolutely, Kim. Just start to do the work. Cut the energy ties. You'll be right. Um, Dave is, I oh, thank you, Dave. So that's that's it for today's call. Um, I was going to talk about it all week, but I think because today is the day of the dying, or day of the dead rather, um, it's probably a conversation had enough. As I say, if you want some support with it, come and join us in, in eSchool. If you sign up, there's a sign up button either underneath me or at the top if you're watching this on your device. That takes you through to my mailing list. And every Friday I am putting all of these articles out as an email. And there's a special price to come and join uh, eSchool uh, in the mailing list. That's the only time that I'll offer that special price. You can save $200 or come and try um, for three months at a time because that's the the over you know I've been doing this for nearly like nine years now and 12 weeks is the um, ideal time to start seeing real change in your life so I've removed the option of uh, joining for a month because four weeks will not um, will not get you the results that you're looking for but uh, it's absolutely the energetic multivitamin that you get to take every week to help you through these things and we have these conversations and it's safe you know, we, we've, we've had some pretty deep and people come in and they're in fear of things and they, they might, you know, we have a concept called dump and run. And, um, but it gets some of the most incredible conversations going. And I, and I can't begin to say how much you don't have to suffer through the choices you've made or what others have made or the family that you've born in, been born into. You have a soul agreement with your family tree. And this generation, those of us who are awake now, have every opportunity to break the patterns from the past. And we are. Okay. So have a lovely day, everyone. And I will uh, see you tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining me. Bye for now.